0: Pam, and I would like to welcome you to the Live Authentically show. My team and I help other people step into their authentic realities via a number of different modalities. This podcast is one of them. We also have a Facebook group of like-minded people committed to spiritual growth and transformation, and would love to have you join us there. We can be found at today/fb. I am super pumped that on my show with me today, I have Michael Rubino. Hey, Michael.
1: Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. I was super excited. So I have to say I was super excited when um, you approached me. You know, I haven't, air quality is not something that I've really um, taken a deep dive into before. And, you know, was, I was really intrigued and I'm super excited to hear about how you spread awareness and how you help people enhance their lives via improving their air quality. So before we dive into you and your story and everything that you do in the world, I always start my show off with the same question. And that question is, how do you live authentically every day?
1: I think I live authentically every day by basically creating this mission that I have and doing spending every second that I can getting the information that's in my head out into the head of others uh, to create that awareness about air quality as you mentioned earlier. Um, you know and uh, the other thing that I do is I realize that I need to optimize my own health. And so mm-hmm. I go walking every single day, I try to get at least 10,000 steps per day in. And okay. uh, it could be very difficult, especially during traveling and stuff. But I, I managed to get it in. And that's something that I promised that I made to myself that I was going to do to just stay active.
0: Love that. Great answer. Thank you. So I think that for most people, at least like, I don't want to speak for everyone, but at least for myself, you know looking at air quality isn't necessarily top of mind it's just not something that I think of as I do as part of my like normal repertoire I'm all over like health and wellness and exercise and you know I have an infrared sauna in my house and you know eating clean and all of that. But, you know, air quality is not something that I've really taken a close look at before. And so, again, when you guys approached me, I was super intrigued. And it's yeah. obviously, I mean, obviously there's toxins all around us, right? In the products that we sure. use and the food that we eat in addition to the air that we breathe, et cetera. So I um, would love to hear more about the importance of, you could just start talking in general about the importance yeah. of air quality and how it impacts our health.
1: So you hit the nail on the head, you know, you're not thinking about air quality, like you said, it's not at the top of your list. You know, typically at the top of our list, it's like, all right, I got to drink really clean water. Right. You know, some some of us maybe drink alkaline water, right? Um, right? We have to eat really clean food, right? So we know sugars are bad. You know, carbs that carbs that turn into sugar, things like that. Trying to balance our insulin levels, our glucose intake, all of that. Right. That's always a, a high priority but we never look at air quality, right? And, and I'm about to blow your mind here. The average person takes 20,000 breaths per day, okay? So you're consuming more air than you are anything else on the planet.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it's the last thing we look at in terms of optimizing our health, as you mentioned. Now, if 20,000 breaths per day is a lot of air intake. Now, let's say you have a, a mold problem in your house, for instance, and it's only, that's one part of air quality. You could be inhaling a lot of mold every with every breath you take mold is microscopic it's between two and four micrometers in size mm-hmm. so just so, just to give you a frame of reference the human eye can only visualize something between 50 and 60 micrometers so it's 25 times smaller than what we can see have you ever like sat by a window and had like a ray of light pass through your vision and you you see like all these particles floating in the air hmm that's what you're breathing in. And, and according to the American Lung Association, it could be millions of particles with every breath that we take. So, you know, looking at something as toxic as mold can be, and, and, you know, there's other things like VOCs and allergens and toxins, right. That you mentioned, you know, we should really be aware of that. And we've never really been aware of that. And, um, my job is, is really to create awareness around that and say, hey, look, it's not just about our diets. It's not just about walking around the block and, and being more active. It's also about making sure that the air we breathe is clean, as clean as can possibly be.
0: So what are ways that um, people can assess the air quality in their home? Where do they start? You know, when someone's, you know, is, let's say they're listening to this podcast and they say, you know yeah. what? great point, you know, air quality is something that I want to take a closer look at. What is the first step that someone could take?
1: So typically what I recommend first is to utilize yourself as a, as a mold inspector. Even if you've never done a mold inspection, you can at least look around, look for signs, right? What, what, what are the signs that we have mold? Well, we've all seen those coffee-like stains, whether it's at home or work, you know, on the ceiling or on a wall, when water intrudes, you know what I'm talking about? Those little brown stains that you see yeah. that's evident of water damage kind of looks like coffee was spilled. You know, that that's a good sign that water intrude, you know, there was some water intrusion. Water intrusion leads to mold growth. So you can't have one without the other. So mm-hmm. if there's water and you know that you've had a leak or, or had some leaks in the past, there could be mold. There's a myth that, you know, if I saw it fix the leak, the mold goes away. It's not true. The mold stays. It could go dormant and not be as actively contaminating the air quality, but it's still there and it still is producing just at a lower level. So I still think it's worth removing mold that you physically know about. Um, the other, there's another neat trick that uh, I think you'll, you'll love. For those listening live, you know, you can't pause this, but for those who, who are going to be able to have the ability to pause this, I bet you will. If you go to your toilet tank and you know that they have a lid on the toilet tank and you take the lid off, you flip it over. If you see mold growing on the underside of that toilet tank cover, Mm -hmm. or if you look inside the toilet tank where the water reservoir is and you see mold growing in there, that's usually a good sign that there's mold growing elsewhere. And what happens is mold is actually like a weed. This is the best analogy I can come, come up with that makes sense to visualize. You know how weeds, they have roots that grow into the soil. Mm-hmm. And what happens is if you just try to cut the weed off without removing the roots, it just comes right back. Right. Old actually has roots as well that grow into, grow into things. Okay. Anything porous like drywall mm-hmm. or the insulation behind the drywall, right? If it starts growing into that, you have to physically remove it. If you just try to wipe it off, again, it's like removing that weed without removing the roots, it's just going to come right back. So the other interesting thing about mold and and the weeds analogy is weeds produce seeds. That's how, you know, it goes from one weed to a hundred in your front lawn. It's because they produce seeds, they get into the air, they land in the soil, water comes through rain, and then those seeds, they get more weeds. That's exactly how mold produces. It has what's called a spore, which is exactly like a seed, and it gets into the air, and any opportunity with water intrusion that could be happening inside your home, even if you're unaware of it, or a water reservoir like the tank that sits in your toilet, that provides opportunity for one of those seeds to get into that area where it is wet and start to grow into mold. So we talk about opportunity. You have to have mold somewhere else inside the house, growing at a rate that's providing enough opportunity for it to then start to grow inside that toilet tank. That's why I say if you have mold there, uh, it's a really good sign um, that there could be potentially mold elsewhere. You know, HVACs uh, tend to be a big culprit of kind of transferring mold from one area of the house to another.
0: So what are some physical symptoms that people may experience, if any, if they have mold in their house?
1: Yeah, so I, I would say that the number one complaint that I get uh, from clients is going to be brain fog. Okay. The s- probably number two complaint is going to be chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. And then, then you have more of the complaints that you, you probably hear about commonly like, uh, you know, allergy like symptoms, the onset of a cold that just never goes away. Um, you know, for me, if I walk into a hotel room that has mold, uh, usually it'll be in the HVAC system, um, in the, in the room. I know right away. I mean, I get itchy eyes, uh, Mm -hmm. scratchy throat, uh, swollen cheeks, swollen, puffy eyes, kind of like, um. I happen to be allergic to cats. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's, it kind of reminds me of that feeling when I'm around a cat, when I'm around, you know, high levels of mold in a hotel room or, or, or somebody's house, I will literally feel like I'm around a cat. And um, to, it's, it's crazy because the second I walk out of the room and ask for a new room, you know, like the symptoms within three minutes start to subside and I start to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm finally, you know, back to normal. And that's how crazy it can be for someone who's living like that 24-7, especially in today's world, everybody's working from home primarily, right? You're spending a lot of time in your home and you're, you know, more sick than ever before. That's a good sign that something could be happening and you don't want to feel sick all the time. So it's, you know, we definitely have to look at air quality into uh, optimizing our health because for a lot of my clients, they'll tell me I've been through five or six doctors before someone said, "Hey, did you try checking your air quality?" Mm-hmm. Before they realize, "Oh my God, it's my house that's making me sick."
0: Wow. So what do you, what does that look like then? I mean, when you do, you, does your company go out to people's houses then and run some kind of diagnostic yeah. check? And what so does- we
1: don't. Yeah, so we don't do the physical diagnostics. We we actually work with other companies mainly because our company does the physical work that's needed mm-hmm. to repair the situation. So it would be a conflict of interest if I'm the one coming to your house and saying, yeah, you have a lot of problems. Here's what it's going to cost to fix. Let me fix everything. You know, we recommend really good companies that we know of that do really do a really good job finding the problems. And Mm -hmm. then we kind of help come to the table and say, all right, this is what it would cost to do X, Y, and Z. What are you thinking in terms of what makes sense financially to improve? Yeah. Sometimes you get it to the situation where the cost versus worth doesn't make sense. Right. So, For instance, I had a client once who, um, she had like 200 spores in her attic. So 200 of those seeds um, that were being produced into the air. Now, the outside was 100. So yeah, it's double than what you would get outside. But it was going to cost, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to do it the right way to remediate that attic. At that point, I said to the client, look, it doesn't make sense to spend this type of money for that type of result. When you have a larger problem elsewhere, we should, should focus on fixing that. Because to get the best air quality change, you, you really want to look at and see, well, where's the, where are the areas of contamination the highest? And let's start to eliminate those areas. And things that are the lowest, we, we know that it's you know an ongoing issue and it could potentially get worse down the road. but let's you know make sense of this in terms of it's like anything else, right? You, you want to redo your kitchen and bathroom, you do it one at a time, you, you know, um, unless you have the resources to do everything all at once, which most people right. don't, you, you, you take on projects. So I think it shouldn't just be about renovating bathrooms and kitchens. It should be about, you know, uh, really fixing little mini projects about maintaining the house, and mm-hmm. as well as doing things to improve the air quality.
0: Yeah, I love that. What's another I'm um, just out of curiosity what's another I love like, I love statistics I'm a math geek by background so you mentioned 20,000 we take 20,000 breaths uh, per day earlier. Sure. what is another stat around air quality or you know that that related area that would be that most people you know would find surprising so in
1: 1994 John spengler did the largest ever home study and he found out that 50 percent of homes, have a history of water damage, which then equates to mold. So of those 50%, 80% of those he found had mold exposure. So I think the number is probably higher. Um, I mean, I can go into a lot of the the science of things, which may um, be exciting for some and boring for others. But essentially I think since 1994, we've actually gone uh, in the wrong direction environmentally we're chasing net zero you know emissions and energy codes, but our energy codes are let's just say there's a better way to achieve what we're trying to achieve on an energy level without compromising environmental impacts and so we're building you know we're building houses so tight, really taking away ventilation, and what's happening is these houses are filling up like a balloon with air, right mm-hmm. so there's no exchange of air and as a result any anything that's toxic in your home is just going to stay there and have no place to escape
0: sure. so
1: you know some there there are some problems with the way that we're building houses and i think that you know that statistic is actually probably worsening i think there's more mm-hmm. toxic homes today than there was in 1994 unfortunately but still it's pretty alarming that you know you have a 50% chance sitting there right now that there is some sort of water damage and mold in your home today. Uh
0: Wow. How'd you get into this line of work? Just out of curiosity. It's
1: a a great question. My dad's been a restoration contractor since I'm five years old. He, uh, you know, basically he, he did fire restoration. That was kind of his main thing. And, uh, as I graduated college and moved back home, um, I took what I knew working with, you know, him on and off my entire life Uh and, uh, started diving into, um, really the mold aspect because obviously with a fire it gets put out with water through fire department Mm -hmm. and now you have not only all the toxic problems with the fire right and the soot and the heavy metals and things like that but you now have you know mold issues due to the way of naturally putting out the fire and then it sits for sometimes months before Mm -hmm. anybody says let's fix this so um when i started seeing the way we did things on the insurance side, when I started seeing, um, you know, after Hurricane Sandy and I watched people, these fly by night contractors basically come in and, you know, pick people off the street, put t-shirts on them and say, you know, you work for me. Let's, here's some cash. Let's go, uh, work on this house. And I saw how much people got sick thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, I really started to realize there's a problem with the way that we do things. And uh, I started becoming obsessed with it and educating myself to a point where I could help people.
0: Yeah, I can tell you're you're super fired up about it. So I can tell that you've absolutely <laughs> tapped into your passion.
1: Um, yeah. what,
0: what do you like most about the work that you do?
1: You know what I think I like the most about what I do is I, I see this gaping hole that needs to be filled. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's what makes me so excited about it because the fact that I can sit here with you and say, hey have you thought about air quality? And you're like, no, not really. You know, I I actually need to think more about that. You know, I feel like I've fulfilled, you know, my job for today and and being able to help create that awareness. There's so many people out there and I I guarantee you it's tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people that not only in America, but worldwide that are probably experiencing some sort of health effect due to, you know, uh, air quality and they don't realize it. I mean, just based upon the amount of people that I talk to every day that call in and say, hey, I need help. I have a feeling, you know, my air quality is not good. I haven't been feeling well. And they start tracing it back. You know, it's ever since I moved to this new place, I haven't been feeling well. You know, it's like once you start connecting the dots, you're like, wow, you know, air quality really is a, a, a big factor in our health. And um, just being able to, to create that awareness and change the conversation around it. I think is, is gonna really move the needle in the direction that needs to be moved.
0: Yeah, for sure. So what platforms are you using to spread awareness?
1: And obviously well, podcasts. Obviously podcasts. Um, if you don't know already, I wrote a book called The Mold Medic. And, oh, uh, that, awesome. Yeah, that book came out in December of last year. I'm working on my second book uh, right now that um, The Mold Medic was like, you know, here's everything that's wrong with the mold industry. Cause there is an industry of people that come in and do remediation. And um, there's so much conflicting information out there that as a consumer, you're like, well, this guy says I should just fog the place. And this guy says I have to actually physically remove building materials. Who's right. And who's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, well, you have two companies both trying to sell a product, both drastically different, but one product doesn't actually work. So the, the Mold Medic book was written of, you know, written for that person who's like, hey, I'm not feeling well and I need to know what is factual and what isn't. So that I wrote that book for that person. But then I realized, you know, what about the person that doesn't even know that they have mold in the first place or that, you know, it, it, their air quality is a problem, right? right. And now I realize I needed to write that book, which should actually go before the book that I already wrote. So now I'm working on that one. And I'm excited. Hopefully, by the end of the year, I'm, I'm fully finished with that and get that out. Um, podcasts. I do. Uh, I was on Fox News a couple of weeks ago talking about mold and air quality with the uh, event that they had recently, um, and um, in Texas. And uh, you know, I got a couple radio interviews and stuff. I'm just, awesome. I, I'm all over the place trying to help create awareness any anyone who's willing to talk about it is uh, is very important to me
0: yeah that's great such a powerful message what is the most challenging aspect of what you do
1: the most challenging aspect of what I do I I think is the ultimate cost of construction in general because with mold remediation you 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 essentially have to a remediate by removing the building materials which is a construction action Mm -hmm. but then also there's something that allowed the opportunity for water to enter. So for instance, maybe a leaky window is the real problem that's allowed water to come in and then mold to grow. So you not only have to open up the interior component to fully remove the mold and remediate properly, but then you may have to order a new window, right, and replace that window and do some other work. And what I'm finding is it's never just one window, right? It's right. sometimes all of the windows fail and all of them have leaking. So now it becomes a, a pretty big, expensive construction project that may make the average person go, wow, this is overwhelming, you know? And I, so I think that the cost of maintaining a home is what really makes this so difficult. But what I'm realizing is that, you know, if if everybody's more informed of of how to maintain their home, uh, I think that at, at some point it all becomes cheaper because there's less problems because people are more aware that they do have to be proactive instead right. of reactive, right? If you think about it, most of us don't fix stuff until it's so broken that it's completely obvious that it's broken.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And so, you know, how do, we, how do we subvert these costs? Well, if we do a routine inspection of our, our roofs, our windows, our doors, and make sure that they're not leaking, every year because they're, you know, as anything that gets installed into a home from day one, it just starts to decay, Mm -hmm. which is how it is. Nothing lasts forever, unfortunately. So we have to be on top of that and be proactive. When we know, hey, the window is gonna fail in the next six months, it's that time we should start saving and organizing the change of all the windows so that it's a, let's say a $20,000 problem instead of a $40,000 problem. Because if you have to do both sides, that's when it it really becomes just astronomically expensive. So I think the biggest challenge is really the cost factor and trying to create the awareness so that I'm not needed as much is is really key.
0: Yeah, yeah, And that reminds me as you were talking about that of the analogy that I always use when I'm talking about food, you know, pay now or pay later. You know, sometimes yeah. people say to me I don't want to pay for organic groceries they're expensive. I'm like, well, you know, you're either going to pay more now or later in the way of, right. of health issues, right? So um, it's definitely um, a good idea to be proactive and-,
1: and you know, not reactive.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. medical expenses are also expensive. And, you know, if right. your air quality is causing you to be sick, or if, like you said, if the groceries you're buying are causing you adverse health reactions, right? It's going to be more costly spending thousands of do- dollars going to the doctor every day, de- every time. Instead of, you know, fixing the root cause of the problem or avoiding it in the first place, right? So it's, it's always, uh, it's always that challenge of that, you know, human nature is like, I want to spend as least as I can, you know, every second I have an opportunity to spend money. And uh, sometimes that, that mentality backfires on us.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. For sure. Well, such a powerful message. And I love the work that you're doing in the world to create awareness around an area that I I also believe needs, um, does, you know, need the awareness. So thank you very yeah, much. Thank you. Are there any closing, you know, remarks or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with people or just anything to enhance their life?
1: You know, um, I I'd, I'd highly recommend checking out my book, The Mold Medic, if you're, you know, if, if you're curious about mold and, and how that could impact somebody, I think it's very powerful. But also, if you're looking for free resources, you can go on our service-based company, allamericanrestoration.com. I mean, it tells you, like, what to do with, with, if you have an insurance claim and how to make sure that you're, you know, protected and getting what you need out of the insurance claim and not just what the insurance company wants to save money you know, um, there's tons of resources about the history of mold and how mold can impact us, how to find a good mold inspector, how to find a good mold remediator, if you're in need of one, um, all those things that can really help you. So, and again, it's about being proactive, not reactive. So maybe you don't need a mold, you know, someone in in the mold industry today, but having the knowledge and reading through that stuff for free sets you up for the future of, okay, if I ever need someone, I know what what I need to do now. Because that's when it when, when you have to act fast, that's when you make mistakes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And you said uh, again, the website, can you just repeat the website again?
1: Yes. Allamericanrestoration.com.
0: Awesome. Great. And is your contact information there as well? If people wanted to talk to you directly.
1: It is. And if you want to talk to me as well on Instagram at the mold medic, that's where you can find me.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you uh, came on my show to spread awareness around this. I feel like I need to add another to-do list or <laughs> to-do item on my list this weekend. Check air quality in my home. So I'm
1: yeah.
0: so <laughs> glad that we talked about this today. So thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. It was so a welcome.
0: pleasure. And thank you to all of our viewers and listeners. As you well know by now, I believe that time is a choice. And I am grateful that you have carved time out of your day to be here to listen to Michael's powerful message today. Hope you guys have an amazing day and we'll see you soon.
1: Thank you